You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. This is the Voluntary Vixens, and I'm your host, Jesse. And today I have Maddie here with me, but you guys are going to just have to bear with me because <coughs> she's been a little sick. I'm down again with the Tom Hanks disease, so her voice is going to be a little bit different. I'll be okay. <laughs> and we also have a guest with us today, and you guys might have heard of her. Um, we have Jessica Green. She's been on a few of our um, our other shows with the uh, Make Liberty Great Again Network. That's a great name for a network. It really is. <laughs> and Dave from The Morning Drive with David. Jessica, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And Maddie, thank you for coming, even though I know you don't really quite feel like yourself today. I don't. I I feel like I probably should get a Snickers bar. Let me ask, though, <laughs> just for clarification, Tom Hanks disease, that's when you become a pedophile, right? It's whatever you want it to be. Okay, so I don't want it to be that. <laughs> Let's not do that one then. It's definitely where everybody suspects you of being a pedophile. Yes. It's definitely that. <laughs> and you have to take pictures of gloves and random things that you find on the side of the road i think that's that's another side effect apparently i don't pay enough attention to tom hanks to know that he takes pictures of gloves yeah (laughs) yeah he does you have to look at his twitter and his instagram there's no way i'm gonna follow tom hanks at this point but uh i think he's got all of his stuff pretty much like turned off all the comments and everything so it wouldn't be very much fun anymore yeah chrissy Teigen did that too (laughs) except for she already had you know, 3 million followers or whatever. So it's kind of impossible for her to go dark, as they say. So I'm curious, like, how many people did she delete? Like, she said she deleted millions of people, right? Like, how does she do that? That's what she said. But you can hire people, I guess, to sit there and individually, you know. I can be logged on on my desktop and on my phone at the same time and on my tablet. So that's, you know, three screens right there that you can have three different staffers sitting there like constantly deleting. I don't know how the math shakes out. I don't know if you could get to a million with, you know, just doing that. But I, I as someone who this is Cam, obviously, <laughs> um, but as someone who every day codes, this is just I mean, just pay someone to write a script for you. I always hear about people saying that people buy followers, but where's the follower store? What do you like? Where do you where do you buy that from? India. Oh, OK. Just like yeah. that's where all the scammers, the scammers are. All the like, I don't know about you, but apparently at some point in the last couple of months, whatever law there was that said that people couldn't spam text message you with scams apparently doesn't exist anymore because I'm apparently Dorothy now. And every day I get four or five texts about how to get the pill to have my boyfriend wow. just be hard as an ox. <laughs> Pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not happy about it. Your board of boyfriends <laughs> hard enough as it is. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No. So I started getting political text messages, and I haven't noticed anything from any companies. But all of the sudden, like a month ago, I've started getting like two or three a day. Yeah. 
And sometimes I write them weird shit back just to see. Sometimes there's people on the other end. Well, hmm. a lot of mine are like FedEx. Today I had one that said that I had $1,200 waiting for me. I just needed to go to this link and give them my bank information. That sounds legit. You should definitely do that. What's great about my phone <laughs> is I can go into the person and block them from texting me in the future. So I do that every time. One time I accidentally hit share location. So someone out there knows exactly where I am. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just curious, like when you get those text mes messages, is that just because of where, like, are you living? Do you live in a state where it's kind of a swing state? Like, I do. I mean, I live in Georgia. Uh, so okay. I always hear every election, oh, we're so cl close to tipping blue. You get a better get out there. We're going to tip blue. And I'm like, eh, oh. I don't think so. Like there, there's Atlanta, which is this island mm -hmm. of blue and then red, a sea of red for miles. So, yeah. you know, that that would be a difficult proposition, I think, for Georgia to tip blue. Yeah, because I never get text messages. I don't and I don't live in a swing state. I mean, our state's red. I'm in Florida and I don't get them. Well, you just moved to Florida, yeah. right? But even so, <laughs> like th these people send me other Florida texts, just not <laughs> political ones. So I did recently register to vote. Because and it, it happened incidentally, I was getting my license renewed, and they're like, "Do you want to register to vote at the same time?" And I was like, "Oh, that's convenient, just in case I'd like to. I don't think that I will, but I'd like to have the option." <laughs> and then, so I thought, "Oh, my voter registration must have gone through, because now I'm getting all these uh, text yep. messages from people." But yeah, I mean, I voted in 2016, so I thought that once you registered, you were registered but apparently they purge the rolls and so hmm. you have to re-register sometimes huh weird why did they do that georgia is weird they they did it because they said that there was inactive like an inactive account or whatever uh i voted in 2016 um in the primary for bernie sanders incidentally um don't hold it against <laughs> me <laughs> um i've i've read some books since then um <laughs> but yeah, so that wouldn't have made me an inactive voter for sure. I'm definitely mm -hmm. an inactive voter in Georgia because that's the last place I registered mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but just never voted. I registered and just it's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, that <laughs> might that might be me. But yeah, I, I just uh, thought that that was interesting that they could do that, that they could. And you might not know until you show up on the day to vote and you get up there and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not registered be like okay <laughs> i wonder how easy they make it for you to register because i know in tennessee it's like you can register as you're just going in to vote like they make it so easy for you to to get in there and do it so i, I think i did it online what register to vote yeah, yeah. you can do that I I did it my, yeah. my husband did that he he registered online but he hasn't gotten any kind of like notification back that it went through or that he he's registered so i guess we just have to check up on that eventually but it's a it's a circus. Anything run by the government is a circus. So yeah. if, if you register, check up on it yourself just to make sure if voting is something you're interested in doing. Yeah. Yuck. I was just talking to my cousin today. He's 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 a lot younger than I am. And so he's going to vote for Joe Jorgensen. So he says. Hey, all right. Which I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's better than I mean, at least he's thinking about it before he I guess he was thinking of like he I think he was a supporter of Obama when 
Obama was running, but he was too young to vote. So now mm-hmm. that he's able to vote, like he realizes, at least he realizes that both the parties are corrupt. So I think he's moving in the right direction. <laughs> but his yeah. his mother is a, they live in Georgia, and his mother is like a humongous Democrat supporter. Like it doesn't matter who is running. Clearly it doesn't this year because she's voting for Biden. Yeah. So obviously she, she has no principles whatsoever. And it's just sad. The thing is, They've deployed so many of their own nukes at this point, like the Me Too thing. Like they can never, ever use that again. Mm -hmm. The way that they basically like rolled over when Joe Biden was accused and the Tara Reid thing came out. They absolutely rolled over. And so now at this point, you can't point at a Republican who's been accused of something. After they drug America through that whole Brett Kavanaugh thing and they made every woman in America listen to that woman describe this horrible event that had happened to her. And there were stories of, you know, I I saw a woman on the train. She was listening to the Kavanaugh hearing with, like, tears streaming down her face and stuff. And I was like, you're putting people who were, like, victims through this thing, you know? And, uh, yeah, and then Joe Biden's got an accuser. And suddenly it's like, yeah, but, you know, we like him. And I think that that's a, a, a real Judas move. They can't, but they can't ever use that again. And they also doubled up, though. (laughs) <laughs> because not only have they gone against the Me Too thing, but they nominated Kamala Harris or Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris as his VP, who made a career out of jailing people who had weed, parents whose kids skipped school, which, by the way, I do every time I talk about this, I have to point out the fact. Do you know what they called it when a slave escaped from his plantation back before slavery was legal. Do you know what they called it? I don't I I don't know this for sure, but I have a feeling you're about to say truancy. Truancy. Yeah. Mm. And they call when kids are out of school truancy. I just feel like even the way they talk about it, the rhetoric just shows that they're actually child prisons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they chose Kamala Harris of all people. Like and and today, uh, what's his name? Uh, Trump was like, he was he's gonna i'm gonna pardon someone really big i'm gonna pardon someone huge it's gonna be great susan b anthony i know like what that was soul crushing wait why (laughs) why (laughs) you know julian assange is sitting right there he's just sitting there you know julian assange is sitting there edward snowden's off in is he still in russia yeah i think so yeah and and you have ross ulbricht who is 36 years old and sitting on two life sentences plus 40 years for making a website. That's bad enough. Yeah. But last night was the first night of the Democratic National Convention, and Donald Trump chose to pardon Susan B. Anthony instead of finding literally anyone that Kamala Harris put in jail because of drugs and pardoning them and making a point about how he pardoned someone that Kamala Harris put away. Like, why waste that? You should be his campaign manager, dude, because that is a <laughs> boss move. I don't. That's why I don't understand. Like I was this one. Me and my cousin were just talking about this just a little bit ago. We were talking about the QAnon movement and, you know, the whole like, just trust the plan. Just trust the plan. BS. Why? Like, what makes you think that he even has a plan? Like, what is he doing <laughs> that even shows that there's a plan in there? I mean, I know a lot of people who think that Donald Trump has like Russian handlers, like genuinely. 
believe Ugh. that. So, you know, it wouldn't be Donald Trump's plan. It would be, you know, Donald. It would be Putin and the, the Kremlin. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when in in reality, it's probably just the deep state's plan. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine what it's like to be in the positions of China or Russia right now, looking at the United States, being like pretty nervous about you guys right now. <laughs> and you talk a lot of shit. But why? Why waste that moment to pardon a dead woman that everyone agrees is a hero? Why not throw it back in their faces? Why not say, well, you know, I pardoned someone that Kamala Harris threw away? He thought it would, you know, probably he thought it would be funny. Because yeah, she's this great pandering. feminist hero. or Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Just I, like Joe Jorgensen does now. Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> like, I just don't think... It, are any of these... I wonder... The, I guess that's the thing. It's like, these people are so far removed from reality. I just don't even understand how anybody is still falling for this vote BS. Like, like especially Joe Jorgensen. She should be the most relatable of all of them. But it's like, she can't even run her own Twitter... She, it's like she can't really, she has so many opportunities and it would be so simple. I mean, you have a guy with dementia and you have a guy who has, I don't even know what his problem is. He just, he has megalomania <laughs> and both of them. Among other things. Yeah. And they both have been, let's just be real. They both have been credi credibly accused of some kind of like misconduct, sexual misconduct with women in the past and maybe present. And here you have a female candidate running. She has no priors of any kind. She's, you know, she actually has a pretty good record on most everything. She's a doctor. Yeah. But they don't say that. They don't emphasize well, that. Well, why is she not, like, just trying to run, at least on that? But, like, <laughs> like, whoever's running her campaign either is just, they are completely unable to get with the times and figure this out, or it's like they're just... They don't even, they're not even trying for some reason. So <clears throat> the line that I've been given about why I should support the LP is that it's not about, we know we're not going to win any elections, obviously. We have to get to 5%. When we have this <laughs> national platform, we'll be able to get the ideas out there. And then when you do have sort of at least this little limited platform that she does have, she doesn't use it to get the ideas out there. Now is that time. Yeah. Now is now is the hour at which she would be getting the ideas out there. Instead, we're hearing about how great Kamala Harris is because she's another right. woman who's running. And like, <laughs> I, I feel pandered to. I don't know about you. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. Like I was, I talked to Thaddeus in my, my personal last ep episode was Regardless of the Black Lives Matter tweet, whether or not you think you should say Black Lives Matter or it's a movement or Marxist, blah, blah, blah. The fact is, if you end a tweet with hashtag Black Lives Matter, what do people do? They start Googling Black Lives Matter. How can I help? If this is important to the LP, it's important to me. So you go, hey, Siri, do Black Lives Matter? And Siri says, yes, Black Lives Matter. You can check this out at blacklivesmatter.com which is the website of the Marxist organization, mm -hmm. which if you donate money to, it goes to Act Blue, which funnels money towards Democrats. So in a single tweet, it is very possible that Joe Jorgensen sent donors to the Democratic Party. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> and then Spike, Spike Cohen, like me and David, you know, we, we interviewed him and 
So he came off pretty good, I think, in our interview. But then it was like he's come out after Kamala Harris got, you know, nominated or pinged for the position. And he started talking about how great it was to have a female. And he's just like talking her up and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Why don't you just say, hey, it's great that you guys have a female vice president, but we got a female president running right now. Like, I mean, why would you not say that? Like, there's such an opportunity right there that you just totally missed. And the pattern with Joe Jorgensen tweets is, at least so far, besides the, I got bitten by a bat and I can't make it to the thing because I might have rabies, <laughs> which is easily the That's best That's probably the ever best read. campaign um, slogan that she's ever had, actually. <laughs> but beyond that one, like the Black Lives Matter tweet, this Kamala Harris tweet, both of them are like, you read them and you go, wow, I'm that's pandering. That yeah. sucks. I personally felt pandered too. Yeah. And then it's followed up by, after some people push back with clarification, which is good, I guess. But it's like, why do the first tweet? <laughs> yeah. Why not lead with the story? Like, don't bury the lead. Go hard. Like, you you don't need to go, hey, congratulations, Kamala Harris. You need to go, hey, Kamala Harris put people in jail for 40 years (laughs) for having an ounce of marijuana. And that is not someone that should be running our country, especially after all of the civil unrest after the George Floyd killing. Right. Oh, my Jesus. But Biden with me, too, Kamala Harris with the defund the police thing. It's like the Democrats are only they only know how to pander to like they try to pander to the outliers and the radicals. But they really only know how to pander to the old 65-year-old Democrats. Law and order. And they're not going to get them anyways. They're not going to get that group anyways. <laughs> like I said, my aunt, she's she's in that age group. She's the old Democrat. She's not going to vote for a third party. She's gonna, she sees the third party as throwing oh, her I'm talking away. about the Democrats. Oh, well, I think... I'm talking about yeah. the Democrats pandering. Oh, yeah. With K- Kamala Harris and Biden. Their choices are for the old yeah. people. I see what you're saying. Well, there's some strat there's some strategy in that because as much as these radicals are loud and vociferous and out in the streets, they're not registered to vote. Yeah. And right. I think that there's some strategy here where <clears throat> during the uh 2016 election when they did Bernie the way they did him, uh there were a lot of uh phone calls that were released in that uh, that WikiLeaks release mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton campaign. And one of the phone calls that was made to the campaign was an, a woman saying, you know, a woman who was clearly in her 60s talking about, I've donated to the Democrat Party my whole life. You cannot let Bernie Sanders be the nominee. Like, this is just, you know, just going to destroy the country that I know and love. And so uh, to listen to a lot of these uh, voicemails that came out. They sound like Republicans or what the radical left would consider Republicans. Mm-hmm. Anything to the right of Bernie Sanders is considered, you know, yeah. right wing or Republican to that group. So it was very interesting. It was like the, the people who are re- registered to vote, their actual constituents have nothing to do with any of these radical leftists. And that's who they have to dying please. Off. Like the, the, the boomers, believe it or not, are now starting to die off. Like I'm not, and I'm I've never been one to say I can't wait till these old people die because I I'm anti-death mm-hmm. in almost every aspect of my life, but like they're starting to die off, and I feel like they needed to take a two-pronged approach 
the Democrats did. They needed to have someone like Biden and then mix it with someone like Sanders or God forbid, someone in the the vein of AOC mm-hmm. to, you know, try to clinch both sides. But I don't know if the boomers are going to be able to pull off a Democratic win. I don't think they're trying to. I, I think they've put up a Mondale here that they are just trying to they know that they really can't beat Trump. They don't have anything to beat him with. Um, they didn't used to let Joe Biden out because he's been, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is even before his gaff machine. Yeah, he's the, he's been the gaff machine for a long time, even before his obvious steep mental decline. And, you know, I talk to Democrats who see it. They see it in his face. There are people who, you know, once you start to go through the throes of dementia and things like that, you start to take on a certain look. And I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor. I didn't volunteer in a nursing home. And when people had that look, they weren't long for this world. And so, you know, I am almost in a way um, empathetic to Joe. And I'm like, I don't think he understands really what's going on. Yeah. I I don't think he knows where he is half the time. And I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him, too. Like, this is an old man. I'm angry at his wife. Yeah, his wife is a horrible person for pushing him through this. I I don't understand. I, I everybody in his family, they all are awful people for pushing him through this. She watched she watched Michelle uh she watched Michelle Obama walk around in $4,000 boots and get herself on the cover of Vanity Fair and Mrs. Biden wants a piece of that action too. And so much so that she's willing to marionette her yeah. steeply declining husband out in front of the press and it's difficult to watch. It's like that last um New Year's with Dick Clark like after he had had the strokes and whatnot. And you're like, man, they should not have put him back on the TV. Like, it yeah. removed it removed some of his dignity from him. Yeah. And so, yeah. not that I'm concerned with Joe Biden's dignity, but there's just something about like putting an elder out there in this way. And I, I feel protective, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, I, I am more than willing to laugh at his gaffe still, and laugh at the different things that he says that make no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, my God, the 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 clip of him talking about um children rubbing his legs oh god like it's just so funny but (laughs) at the same time i feel sorry for this man like you you have someone who is running around with pants on his head senility (laughs) and like it's it's not going to get better and in fact that i mean that kind of thing the progression of it is slow for a while and then it goes very fast and so who's to say he yeah. doesn't have some kind of like real loss of dignity in a public setting? Do you remember when his eye yeah. oh, I know during a debate? Yeah. Oh. He's going to, oh. what's going to happen is he's either going to like be in public and he's going to have an accident like in his pants or he's going to lose his footing and he's going to fall, which is how most people with dementia end up passing away is they fall and they go in bed and Tell they never get back out That's of how Kurt Vonnegut again. went. Yeah. That's how, I mean, I worked in hospice, so I worked with a bunch of patients that had dementia, and that would always Mm -hmm. be what the final thing was. They were always falling, and when there's this one fall that they have, and they never get, they go back, they go in the bed, and they never get back out. Yeah. And that's... Well, my dad uh, had dementia. He was too young to have dementia. Um, He died the last year, um, probably about 65. I'm terrible with ages, but... Um, he, we had to put him in a nursing home because of the dementia Mm -hmm. and because of 
him not being able to take care of himself and none of us having the means to do it. But that old man, he he did have a fall, which led to a hip replacement, which yeah. led to his death. But the fall didn't come because he was walking down the hall and he slipped. That dude tried to escape the yeah. nursing home. Yeah, he climbed they do a ten foot fence, jumped over, and ran down the street. They finally caught him, and then he uh, he had to have the hip replacement, and then you know he didn't make it through. But it's like I see my dad. It wasn't even isn't even as old as Joe Biden, but I've seen what that looks like and how devastating mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is to the mental state, yep. to who you are as a person. And it's like there is a part of me that's like, oh God, I feel so bad for this old man. Yeah. Why would this? It's like, hard to watch. It makes me really like it solidifies more and more like why I never could like one of the reasons why I never could just get on board with the Democrats. I mean, people ask me over and over again because I didn't really get on board with Republicans, and you know, it's because I was pretty, you know, you know, liberal in a lot of ways and how I think about the world, but. They're like, well, why don't you just become a Democrat? And that's that's why, because I just I would see like the people I knew the principles for the most part is, you know, you care about the poor, you care about minorities, you care about women's rights, that kind of thing. Like, really, it's all about the underdog. And you're just trying to, yeah, you know, take care of those people first. And then, quote unquote, yes. But what I would see represented in the political sphere are a bunch of privileged people you know privileged men in particular and then i would see a lot of it just you know fuck men am i right right (laughs) (laughs) well you know a lot of people because i'm not a democrat anymore will think things along the lines of oh well you were red pilled by this person or that pill Mm -hmm. and that person i'll say no 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 that's not what happened the reason i'm not a democrat anymore is because of debbie wasserman schultz and in the way that she screwed Bernie Sanders out of his rightfully, I mean, he he rightfully was the nominee mm-hmm. and they screwed him. And that was the woman who did it. That so she's the reason pill. I that. Well, well, I didn't because I was politically homeless. I was able to listen to other voices like Tom Woods in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those people helped me along that journey. But that's not the, the, Tom Woods is not the reason I'm not a Democrat anymore. The reason i'm not a democrat anymore is the democrats yeah they did that all on their own right and they and they say oh if you don't if you vote for joe jorgensen or if you vote for somebody else that's basically a vote for trump yes no the democratic party voted for trump because they put up this they foisted this character this cartoon character on their voters and there are some people who just can't swallow that pill unlike mrs biden who advised all of us to just, you know, just swallow, just swallow. No, honey, it's your job to swallow what Joe has to offer. The rest of us don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's like, and you're right. Like, well, that and that is a red pill in and of itself. It's just seeing through the programming. Yeah. You know? And like one of the things like the the right is awful because of their worship of military power and war and destruction. But the left likes to pretend that they are this benevolent, loving force when if you actually start to look at these different policy positions and then zoom out, mm-hmm. it's a death cult. Like, <laughs> Well, it, yeah. I, I 
I liken it to how they, how these people will probably look at like a Joel Austin speaking to the to his church. <laughs> I look at Obama and I look at Bill Good. Clinton and I was young. I I remember when Bill Clinton was running for president. So I'm I'm older than y'all, and I remember just looking at Bill Clinton talking to on MTV and playing the saxophone. Wait, I, Bill Clinton was our first black president, right? right? Right. Okay. So, and I remember, I remember just thinking, Bill Clinton running too. I, re- I just remember yeah. feeling, yeah, I remember just feeling like there's something so fake and off about this guy. And the same thing with Obama. And I remember like when Obama ran, I was like, I really am, I really want to like this guy because I really like the idea of having a black president. I really think that's a good, I mean, you know, back then I was like, yeah, America. And, so I was like, I really should like him, but there's just something so off and fake about this guy. And that's how I see it. Obama was created in a lab. Yes. Yes. Bill Clinton, the thing that makes you go, oh, wow, this guy's creepy is because he's a rapist. Yes. And I like, think that's it. it he-, <laughs> he's, he literally is the definition of a sociopath. He knows how to play a part enough to get you to like him and trust him. And then he'll get you in his hotel room and he'll rape the crap out of you. That's how he that's came what off. that's what happens when you go in the hotel room with Bill Clinton is he yeah. rapes the crap out of you. But um, <laughs> do you ever notice when like uh, Obama gives a speech or even like the Michelle Obama speech that she just gave for the uh, convention? People are like, I have tears streaming down my face. Like it was so boring. Oh my she God. comes off like that, too, to me. She's fake as all hell. But the way that people like they're looking to it like they're they want a a guru or a motivational speaker to somehow like tell them something that's yeah. something yeah that's that's gonna make them feel like everything is okay with the world you know and I think that they just want to feel that comfort again regardless of the fact that it's been pointed out to be fake like it's been it's been pointed out that if you peel back the veneer of all of this Washington D.C. BS it is the literal hell scream sound from event horizon just like blaring in your face it's horrible Mm -hmm. and people are like no we just really want to go back to sleep can you put me yeah can you put me back in the machine from the matrix but it's like to extend the movie references yay because of you (laughs) i have watched i think 26 horror movies over the last 26 days um and (laughs) i say that the left is a death cult and it reminds me of the movie Midsummer. Yay. Okay. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> because I, I know you haven't watched it yet, Jessica. But Not yet. I haven't gotten to it. This whole movie takes place in Sweden. And the concept of the movie is that there are these college kids uh, that go there. Two of them are going to be writing their thesis on this, this group of people and their practices that are essentially untouched by the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they are um, essentially Norse heathens. And so Sweet. it's like v- there's a lot of pagan rituals. There's death. And the whole time they're they're going, no, no, no. I know you're seeing all of this horrible stuff, but it's actually beautiful. It's good. Yeah. It's 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 wonderful. And you just it's need to- culture. This is family. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it like I'm watching this movie and other people apparently are brainwashed by the movie and find the same um solace in the ending that the main female character finds. But the whole time I'm like, is this just like politics? Yes. Is this just showing what 
politics is? Yes. Because that's what a I'm metaphor. reading. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen Videodrome? Any of y'all yet? No. That yet? Not yet. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I felt like that's one of that maybe when we get to that, we should all get back together again. Because I really think that that movie is very much like what we're going through right now, too. Especially with the pandemic. And I feel like we're like we're when it comes to either COVID or just Joe Biden being thrown in our face. Like I'm watching people fall for it. And I'm like, how, how are people just doing this? Like how are their brains just turning off? Well, and this is something that I've talked about a lot in my show and I I need to stop talking about it, but everyone that hasn't had the red pill has been indoctrinated from birth. And how do you get the red pill? That's what I just want to know. Even the people who have had the red pill have had the same indoctrination. Yeah. Right. Like, how so do you get the red pill? I've caught myself knowing, oh, you didn't get the red pill? No, I'm just like, how do you get it? Because how did I get it? Like, how did I, ju- how did I see through all of this for so long and nobody else did? Like, that's what I'm curious. My, my first, okay, well, if you want to go back to the first time I questioned the official narrative, it was Kurt Cobain's death which is kind of an odd one. But that was when I was younger. I was like, I don't think he killed himself. And I looked into some stuff and I was like, that was the first time I questioned the official narrative. But like for me, my red pill moment, or as I've called it in other instances, my crystallizing moment was when I heard Ron Paul's speech, Imagine, that talked about everything that we were doing in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. but centered it in Texas with China being what who we are. So if China came to Texas and it was, he laid out exactly, how would you feel if this, 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 and this? And then I was like, I've been noticing and thinking about this wrong entirely. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's like what Malice says is, you know, you have to take a red pill, but don't take the whole bottle. Yeah, That's like, I think one of the hardest parts about people who go down this road is eventually they, they keep taking red pills until they take the black pill. I'm just curious, though, is there like a personality type? Like, what is it? Because like I know all three of us are Christians, right? Yeah. Well, I, I have become a Christian since then, but I'm, I wasn't before. I think what happens is something becomes so obvious to you that you can't deny it. And so then you start looking at what what else is yeah. clear that you've missed. Like Debbie Washerman Schultz completely rigging it for hillary yeah was yeah. the moment she goes i can't trust these people anymore what else am i missing for me mm-hmm. it was the my view on war and what happened after 9 11 and how that affected me and then i started what else do i need to look into i don't know what your moment was but there's wow. there's also a thing where a lot of people say that having their group turn on them because that's a yeah. big thing in our culture right now is people get canceled and you know, their friend groups turn on them. And I know a lot of people, myself included, who weren't necessarily willing to like actually go outside of my box until that happened to me. And I had my more on the left side of things. Absolutely. I I, I do think it happens on the right. Like I've seen cancel culture on the right, but it's way more on the left. So I think for a lot of people, it's not necessarily like a personality type or that you have some sort of like moral principle. It's like, you get screwed, you know, like you get you get yeah. dumped on and you're like, oh, I see what these people are about now. But it's like something something has to happen to you because I wish mm-hmm. I had 
I could say like, oh, I had the dignity and I had the <laughs> values and all this stuff that I could walk away from it all. And no, that's that, you know, even after Debbie Wasserman Schultz pulled that shit that sorry, that crap that she pulled uh, when Trump got elected, I was just as insane as every liberal with Trump derangement syndrome that you might run into now. And so, I mean, even though I that moment happened. Yeah. At first, and I, I I regret it now because I could have laughed so hard during those first few debates with him. <laughs> I regret missing that laughter. <laughs> I remember wishing all the things that the FBI. It turns out that they were doing. I remember thinking, God, I hope somebody, there's somebody like working on this. They're gonna get him out of office. They're gonna pull strings. They're gonna do whatever they have to do. <laughs> yeah. And they were really doing that. Yeah. And <laughs> First of all, no one should be listening to me. I don't know if they're like spying on my thoughts or they're like, that's a good idea, Jesse. Let's do that. Do not listen to me. I have, holy cow, to find out that they actually have been. And that's been coming, it, not really been coming out in the news. The news isn't reporting on it much. But there are finding out that basically there is a deep state and that they were rigging things against Donald Trump that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's got to be a huge red pill for a lot of people. Who are like, oh my god! Well, one of the big ones for people was uh, Kavanaugh. That yes. was a big yeah. red pill pe- for people on the right yeah. who believed that the, the corporate media was once good or once had yeah. like that was when they fully went with this narrative that was completely unproven. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh wow, they're our enemy. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was that was a red pill on the right. There there are red pills everywhere. Finding out which one was yours is is always fun, but it was very easy for me because Ron Paul just said the right thing at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys know where the concept of the fourth estate comes from? I've heard of it, but I didn't remember where. The press, yeah. The press is supposed to be the fourth estate. Oh, and the, the way that like France used to be the center of culture for all of Europe. Mm-hmm. That's where left and right comes from. That's where, le- uh, uh, I actually heard that that comes from Russia. So that's interesting. We'll have to compare notes. But uh so in France, it was they had three estates and one was the nobility, one was the royalty, like the aristocrats, and then one was the people. And so the people only had one third of a say and the, the nobility and the royalty could vote them out at any time. And the fourth estate was when the French Revolution was happening, they wanted freedom of the press so that the press could mm-hmm. form a fourth estate and assist the people. And so the the notion of the press is supposed to be that they they protect us from the other two estates that that they're supposed to be in league with the people and the fourth estate has leagued themselves with the aristocrats and the royalty Mm -hmm. and i know we have different names for those people now that it doesn't quite uh, you know have the same kind of terminology but it functions the same Mm -hmm. we still have an aristocracy yeah they're the fourth the fourth branch of the federal government yeah yeah, so they've abdicated their role, in my yeah. opinion. And so they always are victimized, like, oh, well, you need the press, and the press is under attack. And it's like, no, you you don't receive those protections any longer. Yeah. Like, because you don't function in that regard. You're part of the, you're the man. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Yeah. They're one one part of the cathedral. Yes. <laughs> what a beautiful term. What a, what a, um, absolutely poignant yeah. way to phrase that and i know that like jessica you and i have been talking a lot about the french revolution like in texts and stuff 
So I, I watched that documentary from the BBC that you sent me last night. I think it was last night or the night before. The the History Channel one? There's one. There was the History Channel one and there was the BBC. And I watched both of them, actually. But I know that there was like okay. that whole mentality. Like they, like you said, they wanted to have the, the, the press be part of this to kind of be the spokesperson for the people and all that stuff. But then as the revolution was going along and people were starting to question Robespierre and his men, then they had to go back and they had to start in, in putting censorship back into the, the media. Yeah, again. that's right. And I was thinking like, that is, that's kind of maybe where we are in America too. It's like, you know, people are mm-hmm. really right now for sure going back and questioning everything that's being put to us through the media and we're seeing it today where we post articles well, half, of us, half of people are but yeah well we're seeing you know a lot of articles just being taken down or the fact checkers are putting their there's their filters over our articles so people can't look at it without that bias mm-hmm. so you know it seems like like and i have said this multiple times it's like anytime we have like a revolution where people are wanting change and change may be what is needed. Like change is, was definitely needed in Russia when the revolution was happening. It, the the government at that time was not working. Yeah, and the same thing. A lot a of people think. A, a lot of people think the communists overthrew the czar. Yeah, and that is not what happened at all. The people, oh, the first of all, the czar abdicated because he was a weak willed, tiny man who had britches that were way too big for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when stuff started to go awry, he was like, all right, cool, I quit. Yeah. And fair enough. Um, for seven months, a provisional government ruled Russia. And then the Bolsheviks sort of shot their way into that situation, aided by the German government, mm-hmm. who were the old rivals of Russia. So they they found this political, this underground terrorist malcontent that was exiled from Russia, and they they put him on a train and sent him mm-hmm. into this very fragile situation. But it, it wasn't as though the people of Russia got together and said, let's do a communism. Yeah. And then they all starved <laughs> to death. And that's just what you get. That's not what happened at all. These, these communists took over. And then because they were underground political radicals who were a by any means necessary type of yes. people, they were willing to use their underground terrorist tactics in order to hold power over one sixth of the Earth's population. Yes, and you know, then you get uh, the Holodomor and all of those things happening. So, I personally yeah. blame Rasputin. Poor, Re- I actually. Oh. Can we talk about Rasputin? <laughs> I feel like Rasputin is a very misunderstood character, but. I think so too. I'm not. I'm not like yeah. Go Rasputin. You're the dude. I'm yeah. just saying. I think that. I think he. Has- I think he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I think that um, he thought that he was in the right place at the right time, and he because he was poor and he was uneducated, and he was like living high on the hog, but mm-hmm. people used him, and then I think they also made him a scapegoat for why everything was falling apart. When really the reason why things were falling apart is because Nicholas was such, like you said, an inept leader. I think he wanted to just be a husband and father. I don't think he cared at all about running a country. And, um, you know, some books make him out to be like, you know, a nice guy who just was not in the right job. 
Some people make him out to just be like a complete idiot. Probably both of those are true in some ways. He was part of an old aristocratic tradition in European powers that said that God gave us the power to rule. And so if I just truly believe in the Lord, he will guide my hand. Mm -hmm. And in that way, he attempted to do things to the economy. He attempted to do things on the front, things he had never been trained for. And he made a complete mess of them because he believed that God ordained him to be czar of Russia. And therefore, what he would do would be right. And unfortunately, that's not the way it like really panned out. It went terrible. The czar needed to, you know, revolutions were happening all over yes. uh, the globe. It was the time of the royals to end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Russia, uh, they're a little hard. They're a little hardcore in Russia. Yeah. And it's not hard to topple a bunch of inbred kings, though. Well, no. and I think also, oh. you know, Russia was always a little bit behind on on everything. Like, whatever Western Europe was doing, they were kind of always, like, a little... They still had serfs at that time. So, I mean, it, Russia was just behind And the they times. knew it. Yeah. They knew it. They, they, they uh, in my opinion, have always had that kind of um, attitude about themselves. Like, they wanted, they wanted come to on, be guys. very traditional, I think, in some senses. Like, I rem- like uh, one documentary I saw... Nicholas was very much like he was very into like rush his Russian history and the old Moscow, the old traditions. And I think he was trying to bring that back when he was living in a time when nobody wanted to do that anymore and it wasn't going right. to work. So also, I think I don't know if you guys have listened to Dan Carlin's um, podcast uh, Blueprint for Armageddon. Which kind of it, it's a like a eight part podcast about World War One, mm-hmm. and it sort of details how really crazy it was that all of this happened. Mm-hmm. That everybody just kind of kept ratcheting things up and up and up because nobody ever thought that anybody would actually pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people we like to compare everything in our current reality to World War Two, and I think Americans just have this weird World War II fixation, but I see <laughs> us being as way more in the beginnings of World War I, where it was like, we we think yeah. we can just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because it's never, nobody's ever actually going to pull that switch. And it happens very slowly and then it happens very fast. Very slowly, then all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, like most things, like <laughs> Joe Biden's dementia. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then all of a sudden. I mean, I, I was watching that uh, documentary about the French Revolution, about how Louis XVI was uh, an inept leader. He wasn't prepared for mm-hmm. the role. I think he was probably more interested right. in being a husband and father. And um, his wife was completely, Marie Antoinette was just completely, I think, I don't think it was her fault. I think they she was shielded from a lot of reality most of her life. Neither do I. She did exactly what she was supposed to do, which is look pretty yes. and bear children. And that's what yep. she did. She was not taught to care about all these like social issues. And she was demonized for it because she was just completely oblivious to that. And she, like I said, the, the, like you were, I feel like that was a time, you know, we're talking about the Enlightenment was our, was in the was beginning and it was in the throes and she was just not there at that time. She was, she was raised a different, in a different time and there was a different age coming along. And it's just sad 
It is very sad. And you can look at these episodes throughout history and see the way that political violence goes very wrong, very fast. And so in all of these European powers and the U.S. or what would become the U.S. included, you have this sort of roll of the dice where people try to overthrow their current systems. And like you have examples where most of the time it goes extremely poorly when you start using violence as your political tool. It goes very poorly. And like in the U.S., we it, it went right just that one time. And I feel like that was like a, sh a million and one shot that it, it, it went as right as it did. Yeah. But what's important to know about that is the money that the French government spent funding the American Revolution bankrupted them yes. and put them in the position to do as poorly as they did, which invited the French Revolution yes. to happen. So it's very interesting that our revolution, which led to like the greatest history of the, or the greatest period of human uh, freedom in in history and knowable history, came at the expense of the um, the French people. And we don't think about how the French Revolution, the blood of the French Revolution, is tied directly to the money that paid for ours. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're at a point now where we're. And I feel like we kind of do live in a matrix in some sense because we do keep repeating history because when you look at the French Revolution and how that went and then you see um, Robespierre, he's instituting all these different laws. He's changing the calendar. He's um, now he's censoring the press again and people are scared. They're afraid. To, they're afraid to do anything because they're afraid their name is going to be on the list and they're going to get their heads chopped off. And then it mm -hmm. turns around onto Robespierre, and he ends up being put on the chopping block. Yeah. Yeah. I Whenever I see people embracing the imagery of the guillotine, I try to remind them, hey, you know, the people that rolled that machine out eventually ended up beneath it. Yeah. And that's not a point of history that those types like to acknowledge, but it's true. That's why we go with the wood chipper. <laughs> no, thanks. It's a little more... Just it depends on feet first or head first. Feet I first, yeah. yeah. Depends on if it's Tom Hanks or not. I was just going to say, like, I, I wonder about, like, the Russian leaders, too, because, like, didn't, like, soon after Lenin took over, didn't he have, like, a stroke and end up, like, being in a wheelchair and he was, like, drooling on himself yeah. at the end of his life? Like, it, he didn't even yeah, get a yeah. chance to it's enjoy being a leader of the country. And then Stalin, when he became... I mean, Stalin had to kill Trotsky. He had to kill all these people who he saw as a threat. And then I think he ended up being so paranoid at the end of his life that um, there's rumors that he might have even been poisoned because people were ready for him to go, too. It's like, Well, it was... It was clear that he was ready to begin one of his famous purges again. And people had been living through these purges for 30 years. And they thought, okay, well, he's not going to get me this time. Yeah. Like, he, he's old enough that if he dropped dead, nobody would really, like, yeah. be too heavy about it. But um, an interesting thing that you brought up is that the, uh, the during the French Revolution, they changed the calendar. Mm -hmm. And they did that because they didn't want people to know when Sunday was yeah. anymore. Yeah, And then the Soviets did a very similar thing where they made Thursday the fish day. Mm -hmm. And that had to do with Catholicism and fish being served on Friday. And so there were all these like strange little ways that these um, sort of like human improvement regimes 
sort of had a way of like, well, we got to like get God out of the system. Like we, people aren't going to go along with this shit if they believe in God. And that's because God talk, tells us about the, like the dignity of each human being, that we are the image bearers of God himself. And so we're not going to, you know, maybe be as willing to be fed into some kind of like collectivist machine mm -hmm. if that kind of tradition survives in human beings. And so I noticed that whenever you have these sort of like totalitarian mindsets, their first target is religion yeah. or, you know, people of faith of one form or another yeah. are a threat to them. And that's just something that I've noticed um, is a common occurrence throughout these regimes and Hitler with his yeah. problem with the with the Jews yeah another per pe people of faith that just for some reason their their faith gives them um refuge mm -hmm. uh from the government in some ways or it takes away their allegiance I think a little bit right they need that all that allegiance right. towards themselves so if they they have a god that they worship then that may stray their allegiances away from the state right but i also think too that like to be real i think that a lot of that too is because like you were saying earlier nicholas ii and he came from a time and a lot of um a lot of monarchs before that believed that they were assigned by god to rule these countries and so that might have also right. been right of that, that might have right. also been their fear of god is that that might they needed to get rid of every vestige of the monarch, which even is the church, because the church and the monarch were so tied together for such a long time. It's, yeah, to I think it's to get rid of the establishment. Yes, and and you see that current now in sort of like the Antifa cathedral. Yeah, the cathedral. <laughs> but also, like you have these some um, activist groups like uh, Antifa, for example, and they have their credo of by any means necessary and you look at their tenants and they want to dissolve the family unit they want to um you know th these anything that is part of the establishment which will include a starbucks uh is is subject to destruction so uh, you know a common occurrence in these these radical groups that want to overthrow or you know turn over the system is that, you know, anything that's t tied in with the establishment, and in this case, they view the family unit, and of course the church. The church is always the target mm -hmm. for that, too. So, um, yeah, it's it's complicated the way that that's interwoven because uh, American Christianity is really tied in with the cathedral and the establishment. So I think it is fair to point that yeah. out, too. Like, well, oh, yeah. every president always has to show himself in church. And he always has to yes. have like his favorite pastor, you know, that he talks to. I, I don't even know if Trump even bothered with it, but he did. Oh, and it was the Man. weirdest. It was it, he looked like he had no idea what was going on when they took his picture in front of that church oh, yes. that the protesters had burned. He was looking at that Bible like, what is this? Can you eat this? Like what? <laughs> He's just like a a a an a monkey or an ape with with an object they'd never seen before. He just was like, huh, yeah, huh. and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's a Bible. <laughs> For decades, it was Billy Graham that all of the presidents mm -hmm. talked to, and now Billy Graham's not here anymore, and they have a cheap knockoff Franklin Graham, and he's just not as good. But he's full on Trump now. Right? Is in your guys' opinion, because I've 
that's another one. I think I've been, I, I, I'm looking back at my childhood and I'm starting to think I was red pilled a long time ago. Um, I always kind of felt like something was up with Billy Graham for a long time. Like I felt like that was suspicious. Like why does he need to talk to the president or why does the president need to meet with Billy Graham so much? I always remember just wondering. Well, I think that that came more from Billy Graham was the biggest act in town. His crusades led, I mean, say what you will about his different beliefs or different things he said, but by God, that dude led more people to, to Jesus than just about anyone else in the 20th century. So when the presidents wanted to find someone that would give them validity and would affirm them as Christian and as someone that the people could get behind, Billy Graham was the guy to go to. And Billy Graham was like, okay, I'll pray with you. I mean, I guess I just always find that I just always found that to be a little bit suspicious, you know, that every president would have him meet with him, talk with him. And it just kind of felt like kind of strange. Like why no other pastors? Is there no other pastor that's good or I don't know. There, I don't think there was any other pastor that quite had the same weight to him Maybe. as Billy Graham. Because did. like my parents absolutely love him to this day yeah everyone loved him my my dad i think actually got saved at a billy graham thing yeah so i mean it's it it, it played to the the christian zeitgeist in a fantastic way mm-hmm. and that's some, i'm not sure that worked that will work anymore though like i don't think there is one single There's religious no one leader that today that most everybody like even the pat the catholic um pope were even the Catholics are divided on him, you know. <laughs> and the name of the the name of the Catholic Church is so smeared right now oh, yeah. because of all of these, you know, sex allegations coming out, and it's going to be very, very hard for them to build up their trust and reputation again. Well, I've always felt like, and I'm, I mean, I've, I'm an avid, I love to read history and watch movies about historical leaders and stuff, and I, I just feel like the Catholic Church has been corrupted from much longer than we're, than we even know today. Like why is every I feel, I feel like Martin Luther would probably yeah. agree with you. <laughs> because well, I mean, <laughs> just think about it. Like every monarch had to have um the pope's consent to marry. They couldn't go to war or they couldn't have trade deals. Everything had to go through the Catholic Church. So it was not even like the monarchs themselves were really in charge. The Catholic Church was kind of like the deep state back then, and they ran things behind the scenes. So if you wanted to marry your daughter to this prince because you needed that alliance, you still had to have the Pope's consent to do that. If you tried to marry them without the Pope's consent, that would be like a huge scandal. There were times when they would kidnap the Pope. The Pope wouldn't do what you wanted him to do. <laughs> They'd swing in there and kidnap him and <laughs> try to make him do it. And then Henry VIII was like, Screw y'all. Fuck you, I'll do what I want. <laughs> I'm the head of the church. Be- you got to appreciate the Anglican church because they're still rocking. They're still doing their thing. And it's like, you know, Henry VIII started this so he could cheat on his wife, right? And they're like, we know, but we're still a church. And they're still doing it. Like... <laughs> They're like the stepkid or like the, that second that kid that was born from the second marriage. They're like, but it, <laughs> but they're my parents. 
But I just wanted to say, since we I, I got to mention Rasputin, I just want to mention how strange it is that if you go to Russia, someone has pickled a horse penis and claimed that it's his. I don't know if you knew that. Well, the, yeah. the deal was <laughs> that he would run around showing people his dick. And he was a, you know, yeah. he was like a rough guy and he would get drunk and he would talk a lot of shit. And one of the things he would, you know, he would, he would, um, display his dong a lot. So yep. I think that shit is crazy in Russia and that as Americans, we don't really conceive of how very different that culture is to our yes. culture. And Russians are pretty badass. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I love Russians. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget that Russians, even though they're white, they are not no, Europeans. Yes. Not at all. They 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 are like I mean they're Eurasian, but they're they're a different animal all very different culture. Like that whole Putin yes. riding a bear shirtless in cargo pants. Yes. Like that's as Russia this is Russia a thing as you could get. And like really when you think about it, um and just having studied Vikings as well, like they probably still uh, hold a lot more of the Viking characteristics in their culture than any other country. Cause like, just go to Iceland where you think that like they speak the Icelandic or the, the Viking language, but Icelanders are not like the way that Vikings were like, have you seen the mountain though? In the mountain. mountain. Did you watch game of Thrones? Yeah. Oh yeah. The dude, the mountain. Yeah. The mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Half Thor. Oh yeah. The strongest man in the world. I think he's from Iceland. Like there, there, there is still pockets of like Viking ass motherfuckers over yeah. there. <laughs> but like the just the mentality, I think it's like okay. For example, like it, and I'm not. I only have like a small amount of Russian in me, but there is this mentality of like maybe it's all it's like a pan Eastern European thing where it's like you embrace like the dark side like you embrace the depressingness that you embrace like the idea of death and all that stuff and it's not a sad thing you hear that in the, the classical music from russia you yeah. it's much uh darker and i like and the I russians because of that yeah people think that the russians are very dark and depressing people and maybe that's true to some extent but they have this mentality too where it's like you can't fully embrace like the beauty of the world and light of the world until you understand the darkness as well you can't have them separate from each other so that's why a lot of russian writers are very depressing like dostoevsky and you know you've got the alexander solzhenitsyn and their writings are very dark but they're also just extremely beautiful well, it's also the winter. Like, it's the winter all yeah. the time. So you're going to be like, it's fucking yeah. dark outside. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, but you're hard, too, because I live in Georgia. It snows, like, two days out of the year here. Most of the time, it's super nice. Like, I'm not hard at all. Um, <laughs> in Russia, you really do have to walk, like, 15 miles through the snow to get to school. And, like, you know, yeah. communism and you lost the Cold War. It sucks. So, yeah, yeah, word up to Russia. Well, and it's like the, the Nordic countries have kind of gotten away from that hyper masculine yeah. hardness. But I think a lot of that stems from the fact that they were primarily like not players in the world wars are two, as Trump put it, are we have two beautiful world wars. 
Um, they they didn't have to take part in these beautiful world wars. Mm -hmm. So they were able to sell stuff to both sides. So they had a, a period of like unprecedented prosperity. Mm -hmm. And so where the Russians were struggling to eat in general, and they tried to get communism in order to mm -hmm. eat, mm -hmm. to everyone have what something that they need to, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Nordic countries were like, we've got the Skrilla to, to spend on, oh, you want free healthcare? Yeah, you can have that. Like, they had the, the capital. Yeah. And I think that that affluence changes people. It does. Uh, Norway discovered oil in the North Sea, like, very shortly after. So yeah. Norway did participate in the war, and they were decimated by it. Not only, like, financially, but, like, their whole generation of young men pretty much got wiped out. So they got really effed yeah. over by the war. But then they discovered oil. And so, yeah. but yeah. it's just funny. All of these countries, in one way or the other, had these just incredible times of affluence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you have like, what, what's that old saying? You know, um, hard times make hard men, soft times make soft men. I, I don't know the whole saying, but that's. I think it's that's soft what's men happened. make hard times, and hard times make hard men, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's like hard men. Oh, oh make I know what it is. Hold on, let me times. do it. I can do it. Good times make soft men. <laughs> okay, so uh, hard times make good men. Good men make good times, and good times make good soft times men. Make soft. Men. Yeah, something like oh, okay. that. <laughs> soft men make hard times. Yeah. So the point is, it's just a cyclical loop, and yeah. because we have experienced this period of great affluence and so many of the skills that we need to survive on our own without, you know, this massive amount of capital wealth that our, uh, the previous generation has left to us. Um, we, we would take it much harder if we had that kind of shutdown than other places that still like, you know, people in other countries, they still are more connected to the land. They're able to wrest a living from their natural environment. Whereas, you know, most Americans, there's not enough squirrel around for everybody to eat. I don't, like, know what we yeah. think we would do. And then you have the vegans that are like, I'm not going to eat that. I can yeah. only eat this grass. I'll, then I will eat you when you die. <laughs> I am not beyond eating a human being at all. I will eat your leftist ass. Will. Just eat their liver. A lot of Did you see that Alex Jones where he was like, I'm yes. looking at my neighbor. I'm going to put him on a hook. And I'm like, Alex. I'm going to string him up with a chain. I, would Jesus eat his neighbor? I don't First think of so. First don't. You, you don't say that part out loud. You don't let them know you're going to eat them before the shit goes down. They're going to be looking at you. You know? <laughs> oh and like, my God. I'm not saying I would kill somebody to eat them, but if you die before me in an alive type of situation, baby, we got a stew. That's all I'm saying. When I edit this episode, I'm going to put the remix version of Alex Jones singing that as the outro, <laughs> just so you guys know. Wonderful. But like, if you look, if you look at the Nordic countries right oh, now, yeah. they are starting, they're starting to feel the squeeze. They don't have the capital they used to. And so I'm not sure how it'll go. I'm not an international econ economist. I don't pay attention to this stuff, but I would say the good times and the soft men are going to lead to a hard time in those Nordic countries and not that not that far from us. I do have a little hope for Sweden, though, because they did not go to lockdown for the whole country and they, they didn't shut down their whole economy for all this. So I, th I do feel like maybe there's a 
maybe they did see that they there was something coming down the road, like they were coming to like a um, economic collapse because they knew they couldn't. I know that in Sweden they were starting to have more private hospitals instead of public paid hospitals. Yeah. So maybe they they've been smart. Maybe I mean there is something they are smart, like you know. So maybe they started realizing. The, they saw the writing on the wall, and when the pandemic hit, they were like, nah, we're just not going to do it. Sorry, guys. We're not going to follow. But can we, can I also mention that it seems like when there are these good times with the soft men, there also seems to be a, dro- a drop in reproduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in those the countries, I've, I can't tell you which one because I, I don't remember. They're all the same to me. Um, <laughs> but in in at least one of them, they offer flights and citizenship to men to come over and marry their women because their their population is not renewing itself the way it should that's very is it you're talking about like in a nordic country or yeah a supporting point a supporting point for that is that after the plague like the really bad black plague of 1358 there was a baby boom and so like this really yeah, terrible like yeah this too. really terrible terrible thing had happened to humanity and everybody went home and banged and you know, so yeah. hard times make good men too, apparently. Because uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> well, and 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 that's one of those things that, like, there, I was I was reading something I forget who it was where they were talking about this sort of situation, and they were like, when there are super hard times, the instance of homosexuality actually drops, hmm. and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I, I just wonder how true that actually is, for one, because I didn't check their sources. But you have to wonder how affluence changes society at large. Yeah. Because when everything's good, there's not as much of a biological drive for reproduction because there's abundance. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a genetic switch that happens where it just knows like we don't need your genes. So have fun with Joe or whatever, well, you know. There's a... um safety issue there too like when things are good and there's security and you can live in relative safety you can live more honestly i'm sure there's plenty of dudes who were gay who still lived with wives and had children and did all of that stuff just because that was the option that was the option that they were given to do and so you know you have to wonder like how that's really worked out because there are a lot of people who will just do what they think they have to do or what's expected of them and don't have the uh, not only the courage, but maybe the ability or the safety to to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just interesting the safety and influence, how it changes kind of a lot more than you would mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it does. You don't you don't get to sit on your ass and make a bunch of money and eat as much processed food as you want and not have substantive changes across culture Mm -hmm. like it's going to happen it's going to manifest in different ways i just found that very interesting that like like first for instance you know rome and ephesus and all the places who had very high amounts of um what's the decadence when well decadence but also little boy lovers yeah what's that called yeah pederasty yeah the greeks were super into that too yeah, it's always it's just interesting that that had such a during their affluent times yeah. that went up. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 interesting. I find that strange that in like um, the only culture that actually ever 
really took um, hold in or was able to uh, conquer the region of Afghanistan was Alexander the Great. It was a Greek culture. Mm-hmm. And they, of all of the um, Islamic practices, I think Afghanistan is the only one that has that, that little boy, I guess a man-boy love yeah. type situation they have. Like, I've had to explain this to my mom over and over again. Like, that's not a normal Islamic tradition. That's very no. much not. But for some reason, in Afghanistan, it is. And the only thing that I can really put it towards is that Alexander and the Greeks had some level of influence in that area at the time, a long time ago, and it may have just never left. Well, there are things hmm. that go down in our culture that occur because of the Roman Empire, and we do them yeah. unconsciously, oh, and we don't yeah. think about it. So, once you were saying earlier uh, about people who you know, we're the people who haven't been red pilled have been indoctrinated since their birth, but we've been indoctrinated. If we've been red pilled too, we've also had that same indoctrination. Oh yeah. And, um, like you catch yourself there doing it. There are few who haven't luckily, you, but, but you catch yourself doing <laughs> things because it's like, um, there are like political reasons why spoons are shaped the way that they are. And nobody alive today knows that unless they are like a, freaky nerd like me and studies food history but there are political reasons why the spoons that we use are shaped the way that they're shaped and um it's a what what is that reason (laughs) yeah so what we know today as the sort of like egg shape of a spoon is a french style of spoon and then the round type which we know as the soup spoon is the british style of spoon so uh a while ago uh, England up and killed their king, Charles I. And they decided they were going to have a great reformation. And Oliver Cromwell uh, ruled the country for 12 years. And they had a republic. And they kind of had a version of the French Revolution um, that didn't pan out uh, for them. Cromwell uh, is now considered a great villain of history. And Charles II, who was the son of the king that was killed, lived in France in exile during the time that the Reformation was happening and they were, um, you know, it was about 12 years. So anyway, he comes back. They decide, okay, we're not going to do this Cromwell shit anymore. We want the king to come back. We want Charles II to come back, come back. And he had been in France and he brought these French style of spoons with him. And so it was considered um, politic in the court to shave all of your spoons to match the style, the French style of spoon that the new king had uh, brought with him from France. And so today in your drawer, when you go out and you pull out your spoon, that oval shape is the French style of spoon that Charles II brought back with him. And to this day, we still use that because France was at one point considered the center of culture and still is considered the center of food culture. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nobody knows that. Nobody knows that when they're using these spoons that they're actually there's like a political reason that this object um, is the way that it is. And we don't even think about and it. And this is why the metric system can fuck off. <laughs> because I will use my foot or my thumb to measure something before I use something based off of arbitrary nonsense. Right. So... The reason you use the metric system is because when you're trying to land something on Mars, 
it's much better to use a system that um, integrates with all of the other systems that the other space teams in the world are using. Because otherwise you crash multi-billion dollar space probes that you've sent to Mars. And we actually found this. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it was a really expensive lesson to learn that, you know, hey, everybody else is using the metric system. We should use it too. Um, but I will be damned if I ever learn how to go, oh, six kilometers. I know exactly what that is. <laughs> It'll never happen. I'll never do it. America. You're going to be, you're going to be that stubborn old man that is like, I'm not going to learn metric. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm not going to learn metric and I'm going to still write in person. Come on, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> on your porch well, with your shotgun, you're like, you kids are going to learn to write cursive. Like, grandpa's yeah. weird. I'm teaching my kids cursive. <laughs> yeah. At least they're going to know how to sign their name. Jeez. That was a mind screw for me when I was managing a leather store in. Atlanta, Georgia, I had a um, an employee there who could not sign her name because she was never taught cursive. Are you kidding? She literally wrote her name in block letters to sign her, her paste. I don't know. She didn't make an X. It's an improvement. Listen. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Like, I was like, you really can't just, just scribble some shit. I don't care if, it, if I can read it. Just... <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> Take some perspective that human beings at large have only been reading for about 500 years. Like the bulk of us have not been reading for that long. And so it's actually an improvement that the common person can even write their name. It's just so weird. Could you imagine getting an autograph from your favorite celebrity? And it's literally just block letters. Okay, oh my God. so <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar I with- I can actually- are you are you familiar with tweets by Brit on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. she lives in LA and her husband works in the film industry and um she's told me some crazy true Hollywood stories and these people are frightfully dumb and it would not surprise me whatsoever <laughs> if that was actually the case in a lot of instances. Like, I mean, look at Cardi B, like I'm pretty sure she doesn't know how to write. <laughs> and she doesn't need to know how to write, God bless her. Yeah, you know. Well, and and with with digital stuff, we don't need to know how to sign our names, really. That's I mean, that's antiquity. Yeah. But it's just still like shocking to see a well, how old was she? 19-year-old girl who doesn't know how to sign her name. Like that's just that was just so strange. It was just something I'd never experienced before. So I have this really fun experience every time I go to the grocery store and I have a teenage cashier and what I buy are mainly vegetables. And a lot of the time, these kids have not seen a lot of these foods. And I had a case where a, a girl had to hold up literally each and every vegetable and ask me, what is this? There was an old woman standing behind me online who was dying. Like, I was like, I really don't want to embarrass this child. And I am trying so hard to keep a straight face. But this old lady behind me is laughing her ass off. And I'm like, you're not helping me out. But yeah, this kid, she could have been more than 15 or 16 years old. And she's like, what's this? And I'm like, that's cilantro. That's a zucchini. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh my what's God. happening? Like when, when, I, when I was working at a, a different software company, a guy started working at the same time. And they put out a spread of different vegetables, broccoli, cherry tomatoes, cauliflower, 
And he was like, I know what that broccoli shit is. I won't eat that. And he's like, I don't I don't want to eat that. He goes, what's that? What's that white shit right there? And I was like, and I, in my mind, I go, that's it's cauliflower. It's the devil's like, oh, broccoli go-. is what it is. I was like, oh, that's, I, I said, oh, that's ghost broccoli. And he was like, ghost broccoli? I've never heard of that. And I was like, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's what it's called. <laughs> so swear to God, six months later. It comes out again. And he's like, you know, I tried the ghost broccoli. Oh, no. And, uh, it's pretty good. And then my boss goes, the fuck did you just call that? That's awesome. <laughs> one day I'll have to talk about some of my other little pranks here and there. Like one time I had one with the Necronomicon, which was just fantastic. Did Satan appear? But... And... No, okay. no, no, no. Um, do you want me to tell the story? Yeah, you might as we well. You brought it up. <laughs> okay so i worked at I've, I've had a lot of jobs you can make fun of me if you'd like i've had a lot of jobs one of my jobs was at a bookstore books a million and one day i was straightening the books and i found a copy of the necronomicon and i was like oh that's interesting and i brought it up to the front and i, I was reading through it and this guy um who was a military guy i'm not saying that for any specific reason. But he goes, oh, the Necronomicon. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a thing from uh, the Evil Dead, right? That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's that book from the Evil Dead, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. And then I looked at my friend Zach, who was also working, and I was like, you know what's crazy about this book? And he was like, what? And I was like, this, this book has some real power. It actually scares me that it's in the store. And he goes... <sighs> He goes, well, no, it's just it's just from that movie. It's not serious. It's just a joke. And I'm like, OK, he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What kind of power does it have? And I was like, well, my friend, um, my friend Tanner bought a copy and he was reading through it out loud. And he, you know, he got really into it for a little while. And then he noticed that there was a man that was outside of his window. But when he he'd see him and he'd look again and he'd be gone and uh, he wore a top hat. And he, the guy goes, oh, is it the, the Mad Arab? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Um, I was like, but he, he had it. And he said that there was a specific page in the book that says, do not burn this book. And so he got really scared because he kept seeing this guy. And, um, and, and so he, he said, you know what? Forget it. I don't want this in my house anymore. He took it. He started a fire. He threw the book on the fire and it burned up until the point where it got to the page that said not to burn the book. No. And, burning. No. and then my friend Zach, my friend Zach, like a champ, backs me up. He's like, yeah, man, I had a friend who had something very sim- similar happen. You know, he <laughs> went on his little tangent and I was like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then so we both like walk away and this guy's up front with the book and he's kind of flipping through it and then, you know, cut to like an hour later and he's like, could you please put this thing up? Could you put this thing up? This thing's freaking me out. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, let me put it up. And then I did. And then he later on, I pulled it again and then put it in the same place. And he's like, why'd you bring this thing out again? And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't. I don't know why it's up here. And then I put it back. What he didn't know was the next time he wasn't working, I ordered 25 copies of the book <laughs> to come into oh, the store. No. <laughs> and so th- th- before he came in on shift, I went in and put it in different places where it didn't belong throughout the whole store. Oh, my God. And so at the end of the night, he goes out and he picks up a copy and he's like, this doesn't belong here. And he brings it up to the front to put it in the bin for someone else to put up. And so he brings it to me. I toss it in the bin. He finds another one. 
and he finds another one and he did this for 25 books he did the oh whole store and he, that, he was like he was like dude 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 i i know i didn't see you move i didn't see you put it back out there i don't how is this happening and i was like i don't know bro. i don't know <laughs> that's terrible so that that was that was my i'm an interpersonal he, terrorist that's why he I probably am. still has nightmares to this day <laughs> <laughs> he's like afraid to close his eyes in the shower like <laughs> the mad Arab is coming he's coming it's terrible so you're yeah. watching you get, I need to talk, consult you on some ideas because that's awesome I need to try that on some people uh, so wait I, I did have my question that I wanted to ask both of you oh, okay who celebrity politician whatever which person are you most excited about being outed as a pedophile? Hmm. If they are a pedophile, right? Yeah. Um. Who, who, when you hear their name, will you go, vindication? I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want anybody to be a pedophile. Yeah, I, that's a tough yeah. question. I know you don't want to, but who is it? Who, who is undeniable? In your mind. I don't want to say. I don't want to get. I don't want to get sued for libel. But no I have this theory. This. I have this. That's true. <laughs> I don't think Cardi B is going to be listening to this. And no, I know. If anything, Cardi B's a, a. I would think that she's a victim of stuff, not you know the perpetrator. So Cardi B, you're cool with me as long as you don't have to sign your name. So I once heard a story about a certain king of the world from a certain movie about a boat. And it Oh yeah, that was It was a me. very um horrible story and hmm. the person that told it to me was in a position to have met him and um have hung out with him after hours to have seen these things. Because he he owned a bar yeah. that was frequented by celebrities and has had tons of pictures of himself with celebrities. And that particular one, I don't know. I heard some shit, and I kind of believe it. Yep. So, okay, I don't know who y'all are talking about. I don't think. Who's <coughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think he's. A, I think he was messed with as a child. Well, no doubt. Anybody who was in Hollywood young probably yeah. had something horrible happen. Like so Rose McGowan, be... I totally like believe her. I believe Macaulay Culkin. Corey yeah. Feldman, like all of those people are are being vindicated. And you know, yeah, I completely believe Corey. And I think that Charlie Sheen did that shit. And yeah. America just kind of went, eh. Like, no, it's really sad. You know, should we not drag Charlie Sheen out into the street and deal with him? Like <laughs> I mine has been Tom Hanks and that's been that's been mine for a long time and so people coming to that has been vindicating for me because I'm like I've always thought this dude was skeevy yeah the niceness is fake All I've right. always had that feeling with him and so I felt vindicated when I'm like okay you know no I was I was not wrong I don't, there's just so many to be quite honest like I don't even know like I guess one for sure that I would like to see taken down is Oprah because I feel like she's behind a lot of things and she's worshipped by so many people and she's also like a conduit for so many different types of um, elitist people like in politics and yeah. in Hollywood so I I feel like her 
something, I think she's tied to something, and I'd like to see her fall. When you go to the Eyes Wide Shut style party that all of the elite people have, Oprah is like running that party for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she's oh, yeah. in charge. She's the head one in the cowl that she pulls it back. And then it's, it's Oprah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, of and course. And behind her. So, yeah. <laughs> have you guys noticed, though, like, like I was reading something like uh, her magazine. She's taking all the magazines off the shelf. I think she's just going to have it like online now. And um, there's a lot of things that she, like she has her hand in so many different things. Like she actually has like her hand in different types of health foods too and i've noticed that all of her food and stuff because i used to get like a cauliflower pizza that she was in her name oh i remember that being on the shelf i can't I find that. it and i'm no. just wondering like did they discontinue like all of her stuff for some reason like what's going on because if yeah. anybody would ha- get her stuff through the supply chain it would be her so why is that not going through i also see this uh kind of counter or anti-celebrity culture coming mm-hmm. through and I, you know i Amen. don't know how 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 much down the rabbit hole we want to go but they're part of this aristocracy yes. this new aristocracy yeah. we don't call it that but they the are elites. right right so yeah. you know these people have lost power because they've mm-hmm. you know a lot of people have lost trust in them and all of this hollywood pedo shit is coming out and people People know that where money and power congregates, you know, the whole edifice is losing its power. And that's happened before. There are these waves, you know, um, this is something I was going to bring up earlier and I I forgot to get around to it. But like this technological wave, um, industrial wave, there was the revolutionary wave. And so now you see all over the world, the turmoil that's happening in the United States is being um, played out in the streets of many other countries. It's not just our country that's in chaos right now. There's chaos mm-hmm. in China. There's chaos in Russia. Um, everyone. They had George Floyd protests in England. That was odd. They had social distanced uh, protests <sighs> where they all poli- politely sat um, Indian style. Um, I don't know what the woke term crisscross applesauce. They all sat down crisscross applesauce six feet apart from each other with masks on. And I have family that lives in England and they all um, posted these memes like see America. This is the way you protest. I was like, gosh, so gag all over myself. So can I just say fuck Europe? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's (laughs) yeah. I think that's appropriate as an American. As an American, I think you have like the duty to say fuck Europe. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but also, what they're not reporting on, what they're not acknowledging is that there are anti-lockdown protests that are going on there. Yep. And their people yeah. are out in the streets. The people of Spain are out in the streets. They're, uh, you know, the the, the Basque but people, they're so still- But there's so few in America that revolutionary people are just bending over and taking it. Well, this, I don't know if you saw my tweet about this where I said um, a lot of people are talking about the S- Second Civil War. Like this is an inevitable thing that's going to happen. But mm-hmm. you, what I find interesting is that nobody seems to necessarily agree on who the combat- combatants of this war are going to yeah. be. Who are you going to shoot? And it's not, <laughs> it's not going to be like the concerned philosophies of liberty versus the authoritarians. Like we're such a small, my- like minor group of people anyway. It's going to be one type of authoritarian versus another type of authoritarian. Yep. And you are going to have to pick sides. 
And that's just the way that these things go. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. You don't get to hold on to your principles when you have a gun to your head. Um, Well, and it's like with with the people who are like, we're the libertarians in when they were picking up people in uh, chop or whatever. It's like, well, if I have to choose between Nazis or communists, why the hell would I make that choice if I didn't have to? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really wish we could have like a peaceful divorce from each uh, other an amical divorce yeah that's that's what i want but i don't an know if that divorce. will if anyone will allow that to happen and even if we did let's say we did let's say we had an amical divorce i don't think it would be much long after that there would be a war that would be mm-hmm. brought upon us like remember when like bringing it back to the french revolution when louis the 16 was gone and france was fighting against austria and there were parts of France that were just basically up for the taking and other countries were just taking it because they could. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what America will be when we have our amical divorce. Then there will be parts of America that will be up for the taking. And it, will, it won't. I don't think we live in a world where people will allow us much peace. We have to literally fight for it. And that's, I don't know. I hate that. But I feel like it's going to have to be where we have to defend ourselves in some in some way. Yeah. So I have seen this disturbing uptick in the talk of war with China in the last week. And I don't China. know if you I don't know if you guys have noticed this. It's it's almost been very specifically in like the last week or maybe almost two weeks where it's like, I don't know what office of the CIA puts shit out into the Twitter ether <laughs> But war with China is suddenly it's like when they use somebody used the word bellicose and then some, all of a sudden every pundit you've ever heard of is using the word bellicose like you didn't know what that meant before yesterday. <laughs> uh, the same. So the same kind of thing is going on. Those the, are the veins you get after you're pregnant, right? Yeah, those are the bellicose veins. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so uh, but this our CIA masters have put into the ether to get us comfortable with the idea of war with China now. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, are, are we so far gone down this rabbit hole that have they lost control so much that they're willing to start a war with China listen, in order to like, listen to how blithely the left shit talks Russia. Yeah, yeah. What kind of stupidity is that? I like, like I mentioned at the beginning of the recording. I think if I were China or Russia, I would be sitting there looking at us like, "Boy, you are crazy." Yeah, I would be stockpiling weapons and getting ready for a war. And their people are harder and have lived through hard times and can do that shit standing on their head. We are soft and pink. And get cranky if we haven't had a hot shower that day. So yeah. I'm sincerely worried about like China has the population to, uh, you know, invade the U.S. in a ground war. They could do but that. Even even so, the they have the nukes mm-hmm. to drop on the, the states or on, on uh, Washington. Well, I mean, we know that they're making biological weapons right now. Nukes ruin the productivity of the land too. You, yeah, but you only have to you only have to hit a, a place or two to assert dominance. Yeah, that's what the fuck I got out of the city, man. There's, I mean, I'm just not saying. the time to be in a populated area. That's what it is right now. Like honestly, for those of us that are in that are not 
on either side and we just want to be we just want peace living in a city is not going to give you that you know you're going to be forced to make a choice so is i mean if i could i would even get further out into the country if i could and i've been screaming from the rafters for years at people that they need to learn to do things for themselves and learn to be self-sufficient and learn the skill, like learn agoristic type of skills. And the reason for that is because times do get hard. It's like a historical fact that it's going to happen again. Like to call people who are saying that you should know how to take care of yourself uh, doomsday preppers. It's like, no, yes. you're you're the doomsday person. It's going to be doomsday for you when you're starving to death and you have to roam like a raider into my area because I have stuff. And let me tell you, uh, people in the country have weapons. So good luck with that city people. Do you guys believe in predictive yep. programming? Do you think that's a real thing? What does that mean? Yeah. It's kind of like um, a good example of like predictive programming would be like uh when you look at Neo's pa uh, passport and it showed September 11th, you know, September 11th, 2001. Or like the Simpsons. In the Simpsons, yeah. And so, like, now people are saying, like, some of our predictive programming, a lot of these movies that have been coming out recently are, uh, like, The Hunt, for example. People who were the preppers. Or what was the other movie? Cloverfield? Um, yeah. That's another that one. That dude had an awesome setup. Dude. Let, let me just call it. Dude was based off of Bill Cooper. That guy was based okay. off of Bill Cooper. I'm saying it. I'm calling it right now. But are you talking about that? Um, Behold a pale horse guy. Yep. William Cooper. A, yeah, I think that's yeah. who he was based off of. But anyways, so I'm just saying. I'm just wondering if these movies are part of the predictive programming. They're. It's the. It's kind of like a way for them to tell us what they're going to do to us before mm -hmm. they do it to us so that they don't have that karma come back on them. I have um, thought that for a long time when all this post-apocalyptic zombie stuff was coming out. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's something in our, in our culture, in our, it's like we hear the ground rumbling. We sense it in some part of ourselves and it expresses itself in our art. And so we make all this art that says the world's coming to an end. This is what the afterworld's going to be like. And it's almost like we're, uh, subconsciously preparing for it in a yeah. way so i'm just i'm just wondering if you guys think there's something to that because i feel like this might be a way maybe we need to i mean history has repeated itself so many times i don't know if it's because we are stuck in some kind of like weird matrix or if it's just like the that was part of the curse of being human and sinning that we were re were condemned to repeat our sins over and over again. But well, the good news about that is, if it is sin, eventually that's all rectified. Yeah, everything's made new. I think I think that these are the way that territorial power disputes play themselves out, and we as people who are essentially not part of that game are sort of powerless at, at its whims. And the best we can do is kind of like get out of its way and try to survive. Mm -hmm. And um, pe people in our past, you know, when things like the Great Depression and stuff like that would happen, they had some skills to take care of themselves and, and more of them survived that way. I, I really worry about a culture where if our, if our electricity gets turned off, we're kind of fucked. Yeah. Like, well, you know. I actually read a tweet 
from some AOC type person that the tweet literally said, uh, when things get hard, no one should have to tighten their belt. Oh my God. Well, that's not how you get through hard things. You know, you have to, it doesn't matter if you, if it should or shouldn't, the reality is of what it is. Mm -hmm. Like that's Mm -hmm. the thing is like, I'm seeing a lot of people who are not living in reality anymore. Like, sure, President Trump may be better than Hillary Clinton, but has he made America great again? No. And, yeah, maybe Biden is better than Trump on some things, but does he have dementia? Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's like... Most definitely, yes. We have to see (laughs) things for what it is. And if we don't, then we're... That's where all... We're just condemned to, like keep repeating all these same mistakes over and over again. Well, you know, interestingly, because you brought up um, sin, which makes me think of the Bible. And if you read uh, 1 Samuel 8, it talks about the people wanting a king. And the other, the other, no, 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 no. He's like, you really, you really (laughs) don't want a king. And here are all the reasons you don't want a king. And I was reading the list of reasons. And I'm like, this is our politicians today. This is exactly, they're the, it's a list of the stuff yep. that our politicians do. And, you know, I was like, interesting, God's an anarchist. So <laughs> Exactly. And, and that's why with all of this stuff going on, my endless refrain is come Lord Jesus. Yeah, and so, I think too, it's like I can't tell you how much peace just saying that yeah. gives me. I think that's the thing. It's like what I see when I go to church is a lot of like my like I go to church with my parents and my parents are boomers. See a lot of the my parents and their friends still holding out hope that they can just vote us back to, you know, a Christian leadership. We can vote to where we get rid of abortion again, and it's like it's never going to happen, guys. It will never. You can't spend yourself rich, and you can't vote yourself free. They can't. Um, they had that opportunity when Trump was first elected, and they had a Republican-controlled House and Senate. Rand Paul put up a defund Planned Parenthood bill and half yeah. of the Republican Party said there's no way. And they ha- they need that rallying flag. Yeah. So I, I they want to vote themselves back to an era that they imagine existed. Didn't yeah. really exist. They just yeah. that's how they felt about it. And they want to go back to feeling that way. And that's why a lot of people, I think, want to vote for Joe Biden because they look at it as a retor- return to the normalcy they felt when Obama was president. It wasn't really normal. All the things that are fucked up now were fucked up then. It's just, you know, now they have to see it and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, and Biden also has this folksiness to him that reminds you of old times. (sighs) He just reminds me of an insane person, though. I mean, maybe to you guys. What, like him or not, (laughs) there's, there's something about the simple way of talking that makes people go, well, that feels normal. I like the way he always says, come on, man. Like, Come on, Jack. <laughs> he just sounds like a, he sounds like a patient, uh, like one of my dementia patients. And I, that I maybe have it's to, just that they remind him of grandpa. I don't, maybe. For me, it just reminds me of a dementia patient that I'm just trying to get him to sit down so I can change his dressings. You know, uh. <laughs> like, that's it. Okay, so I didn't know you worked with the elderly, but I have some experience volunteering um, at nursing homes when I was a teenager. 
And the dementia patients have a, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but they have a certain like kind of facial feature mm-hmm. that's like, it's in the eyes. Empty? It's like the lights are on, but there's nobody the there. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you yeah. can see that. Like it's, we all. That's how my dad looked. A lot of it is like the wheels are going because they're like, do I recognize you? Do I know you? Because they deal with that all day long. It's like constantly. They see Mm -hmm. the same people Mm -hmm. every day and some days they remember them and then some days they don't. And so it's like that constant like question of like, should I trust this person? Do I know this person? On a positive note, I don't know if you guys read that recent news story that a study out of Tokyo confirmed that um, some of that has to do with oxytocin. And they're finding um, successful trials with mice in the use of oxytocin. And they might be moving that along to human trials and it might present a, a, a line of drugs that we'll be able to uh, give. So uh, there's some positive news. They are doing a lot of research on that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope that it uh, technology can remain on an upswing. Um, unfortunately, that might not happen if this... Uh, you know, the ground rumbling, as we all seem to feel that it is, comes to fruition, Yeah. then that will mean a breakdown in technology. So it's not something to, I, I, a lot of people wish for it. And I, I, I wish to God they understood what they were wishing for, because it, it might mean going hungry, like, like yeah. watching your kids go hungry. That's yeah. going to be a really messed up thing. So, yeah. you know. Oh, I'd rather die than let that happen. Right. So yeah. in... That's how a lot of people feel, and so it might come down to, you know, a lot of ugly things, and it's just not something necessarily to wish for. Exactly. Mm. Well, I do have a follow-up question to my question. Okay. Earlier. (laughs) Who will you be most heartbroken if you find out they get outed as a pedophile? Honestly, I think that's already happened, because... When I was, I grew up watching the Cosby show when I was a kid and I, uh, I remember like watching the Cosby specials when I was a kid and when Bill Cosby was come, come out as a rapist, I was like, yeah, that sucks so bad. I was heartbroken about that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, right now I pretty much hate everybody in Hollywood, so I don't even care. Steve Martin would oh. be heartbreaking for me. Steve Martin or Bill Murray. Could never maybe. listen to the banjo again. Yeah. <laughs> um I mine would be a comedian too. And my favorite comedian is Gilbert Gottfried. Um but the oh. reason I don't think it would be him is because he's so outwardly filthy. That like <laughs> it's just like, you know, the ones that you find out are they're so clean on the outside. There's something yeah. almost too clean about them. But like yeah. my favorite guys are like Danny DeVito and Gilbert Gottfried and Gilbert Gottfried told the aristocrats joke like two days after 9-11. He is the <laughs> king. Well, yeah. Joan yeah. Rivers. Yeah, Joan. Very clearly uh, a good person. Yeah. I love her. So much. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sad that she's gone. And and I think it was the raunchy people who really yeah. like they just live with it all on the outside and they were, you know, the best of us. You know, uh, I would I would include Richard Pryor in that category too. Yeah, like Carlin. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. just like who who could say the 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 ugly truth about things, and you know, whenever you find out about people who do this kind of thing, it's always like 
somebody's good, clean neighbor. They were the deacon at the church, and they were the Boy Scout Are we troop leader. About BTK and TK now, yeah, it's that's, <laughs> but that's who it is. You know, it's it's the person you wouldn't think would be like that. It's never like the raunchy person that you can easily point at and say, "Oh, look at that degenerate." Yeah, the, the de- that's why I like the degenerates because they are all on the outside. You you see what's up. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, let's see. We've been at this for almost two hours, guys. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. I don't know, have anything to do tomorrow. <laughs> that, that was my low-key way of saying, hey, we should wrap this up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess let I'll let you guys give your plugs. Um, I'm at Libertarian Kitchen Witch on Twitter. I I like to chop Lib-kit it up there. Libkit Yeah, Witch. Libkit Witch. If you just type Libertarian Kitchen Witch into the search bar, I'll come up because it's my <laughs> handle is right now. So you also have a YouTube channel. I do. Where there's the Jessica Green Show. Yeah, I occasionally do an episode of that, but I only do it when I feel like it. So deal with it. <laughs> And for me, just type in this is MLGA whenever, wherever you want to. You can listen to my show. It's just kind of this, just <laughs> talking about whatever I want to talk about. So at thisismlga.com, cam at mlganetwork.com. And you can find Voluntary Vixens on mlganetwork.com as well. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, we're pretty much just on um instagram and facebook as voluntary vixens and we're on parlor much to cam chagrin as voluntary vixens we're on a list somewhere now I went, sorry i don't know if you listened <laughs> to my last episode but i i talked about that i know <laughs> so we're on a list and the fbi will probably come and find us soon but um, until then, we're also on Twitter as Vixens Voluntary. And then if you want to donate to us, because um, sometimes we actually do um, take our, don- our money that we get from Patreon and we give it to people for our Vixies in Need campaigns and stuff like that. So nice. if you want to donate to us, um, you can donate to our Patreon at Vixens underscore Voluntary. Also, let me add, we're about a quarter of the way through, but Jessica Green has a horror movie challenge, the Hunt 100 Nights O Horror. Oh, yeah. That's right. You can find yeah. on Twitter and Facebook if you search for that. Yep. And you can join us in polluting our minds until Halloween Day with 100 horror movies. You can try to catch up for the first 26, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> Not at least in very short time frame because some of those movies uh, you need a break from. Yeah, that's the thing is it actually wears on your psyche. And I think that part of the reason it's so hard to complete the challenge, it's like, can I watch people be murdered every night for (laughs) 100 nights? That's a lot. I'm a sensitive person. Cam can, apparently. Have you been doing it every night? Luckily, I did a few double features, so I was able to take a couple nights off. But I am caught up. The one that scared me the most so far was The Descent. That maybe scared the pants off of me. I fell asleep in that movie. Oh, no. I think that the ritual is the better version Ooh, of that movie. That was a good movie. Um, Wait, which one was the yeah. ritual? It was the one that we were hiking through Sweden. Sorry. <gasps> that was a good yeah. movie. Yeah. When I found, if I was with them and I, they had found that um, 
avatar, that wooden avatar in that attic, yeah. I'd have been like, we are burning this cabin down right now. <laughs> For real. Like, we are leaving. Yeah, For and real. we're going home. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's it, right? That's we'll it. it here. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And as Maddie, um, <laughs> I will end this off with the thing that I say every episode, which is keep it sane, keep it simple, and keep it voluntary. Keep it peaceful. Oh, fuck. <laughs> sane is... What did I say? You said keep it simple. <laughs> keep it sane, keep it simple. Simple. Just well, stay you know, simple. Let me try again. Okay. Stay simple, stay sane. All right. That's mine. Keep it keep it sane, keep it peaceful, keep it voluntary.